Wake up, it's time for Transformation Radio. <laughs> I was sure by now that you would have reached down and wiped our tears away, stepped in and saved the day. Once again, I say amen, and it's still raining. As the thunder rolls, I barely hear you whisper through the rain. I'm with you, and as your mercy falls, I'll raise my hands and praise the God who gives takes away And I'll praise you in this storm And I will lift my hands For you are who you are No matter where I am And every tear I've cried You hold in your hand You never left my side And though my heart is torn I will praise you in the storm. I remember when I stumbled in the wind. You heard my cry to you and raised me up again. But my strength is almost gone. How can I carry on if I can't find you? As the thunder rolls, I barely hear you whisper through the rain. I'm with you. And as your mercy falls, I'll raise my hands and praise the God who gives and takes away. And I'll praise you in this storm.
Hi, my name is Stephen Blevins. Um, I'm transferring from phase two to phase three today. Um, let me share my faith a little bit of where I was. Um, I was out on the west side of Columbus in the bottoms. I was homeless, dead middle of winter. I'd lost all hope. Um, my girlfriend was on the streets with me. Um, it's pretty foul things for the money, the addictions. I mean, but since I've come to the refuge, I found life again. Um, the uh, Lord's worked many miracles in my life. Um, he's got my girlfriend off the streets. He's revealed himself to me time and time again. Um, the brothers, the brothers have held me accountable. I've grown in my faith. I've learned to rely on our one and only true Savior, Jesus Christ. There is no better way. So I encourage any guy who's down in Benton County that it's well worth it. Um, just keep doing what you're doing. Phase two, phase two was great to me. Um, Mike Brown, Doug Shosky, um, you couldn't ask for a better set of guys out there. Um, they keep it, keep it straight. Um, I'm, I'm just grateful. I truly am. I mean, I come from the pits of hell and look at me now, and I'm still growing every day. So, like I said, I just encourage any man, just keep doing what you're doing, because the prize in the end is going to be well worth it. As we look into the New Testament for today's reading, we'll be narrating from the book of Acts, chapter 26, verses 1 through 32, where Paul saw the light. Instead of defending himself, Paul used the opportunity to present the gospel to King Agrippa and others with him. When Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus, he made some important and life-changing discoveries. His religion was out of date. His zeal for God was only hurting God. Jesus was alive, and Jesus had a job for Paul to do. Boy, you talk about a rude awakening. And then we'll see that Agrippa rejects the light. He turned his back on the light. He was, you know, almost when he might have been altogether. Charles Spurgeon wrote, Almost persuaded to be a Christian is like the man who was almost pardoned, but he was hanged. Or like the man who was almost rescued, but he was burned in the house. See, a man that is almost saved is damned. And with that, let's begin our reading today in the New Testament. July 8th, the New Testament. Acts chapter 26, verses 1 through 32. Then Agrippa said to Paul, You may speak in your defense. So Paul, gesturing with his hand, started his defense. I am fortunate, King Agrippa, that you are the one hearing my defense today against all these accusations made by the Jewish leaders. For I know you are an expert on all Jewish customs and controversies. Now please listen to me patiently. As the Jewish leaders are well aware... I was given a thorough Jewish training from my earliest childhood among my own people and in Jerusalem. If they would admit it, they know that I have been a member of the Pharisees, the strictest sect of our religion. 
Now I am on trial because of my hope in the fulfillment of God's promise made to our ancestors. In fact, this is why the twelve tribes of Israel zealously worship God night and day, and they share the same hope I have. Yet, Your Majesty, they accuse me for having this hope. Why does it seem incredible to any of you that God can raise the dead? I used to believe that I ought to do everything I could to oppose the very name of Jesus the Nazarene. Indeed, I did just that in Jerusalem. Authorized by the leading priests, I caused many believers there to be sent to prison, and I cast my vote against them when they were condemned to death. Many times I had them punished in the synagogues to get them to curse Jesus. I was so violently opposed to them that I even chased them down in foreign cities. One day I was on such a mission to Damascus, armed with the authority and commission of the leading priests. About noon, Your Majesty, as I was on the road, a light from heaven brighter than the sun shone down on me and my companions. We all fell down, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is useless for you to fight against my will. Who are you, Lord? I asked. And the Lord replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get to your feet, for I have appeared to you to appoint you as my servant and witness. You are to tell the world what you have seen and what I will show you in the future, and I will rescue you from both your own people and the Gentiles. Yes, I am sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes, so they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Then they will receive forgiveness for their sins and be given a place among God's people, who are set apart by faith in me. And so, King Agrippa, I obeyed that vision from heaven. I preached first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem and throughout all Judea, and also to the Gentiles, that all must repent of their sins and turn to God, and prove they have changed by the good things they do. Some Jews arrested me in the temple for preaching this, and they tried to kill me. But God has protected me right up to this present time, so I can testify to everyone from the least to the greatest. I teach nothing except what the prophets and Moses said would happen, that the Messiah would suffer and be the first to rise from the dead, and in this way announce God's light to Jews and Gentiles alike. Suddenly Festus shouted, Paul, you're insane. Too much study has made you crazy. But Paul replied, I am not insane, most excellent Festus. What I am saying is the sober truth. And King Agrippa knows about these things. I speak boldly, for I am sure these events are all familiar to him, for they were not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. Agrippa interrupted him. Do you think you can persuade me to become a Christian so quickly? Paul replied, Whether quickly or not, I pray to God that both you and everyone here in this audience might become the same as I am, except for these chains. Then the king, the governor, Bernice, and all the others stood and left. As they went out, they talked it over and agreed, This man hasn't done anything to deserve death or imprisonment. And Agrippa said to Festus, He could have been set free if he hadn't appealed to Caesar.
Today's reading in the book of Psalm comes from Psalm chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. This psalm grew out of an experience of sickness and pain when David thought he was going to die. Besides that, he had to put up with the attacks of his enemies who wanted him to die. It was a time of deep discouragement for David, but he did not waver in his faith. David reminded God of his tears of repentance and confession. His bed should have been a place of rest, but it had become a place of trial as God chastened him. But there is a happy ending. David was assured and his enemies were ashamed. God heard and answered his prayers. When the night is dark and long, keep on trusting, and the dawn will come in God's good time. Psalm chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. For the choir director, a psalm of David, to be accompanied by an eight-stringed instrument. O Lord, don't rebuke me in your anger, or discipline me in your rage. Have compassion on me, Lord, for I am weak. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. I am sick at heart. How long, O Lord, until you restore me? Return, O Lord, and rescue me. Save me because of your unfailing love. For the dead do not remember you. Who can praise you from the grave? I am worn out from sobbing. All night I flood my bed with weeping, drenching it with my tears. My vision is blurred by grief. My eyes are worn out because of all my enemies. Go away, all you who do evil. For the Lord has heard my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord will answer my prayer. May all my enemies be disgraced and terrified. May they suddenly turn back in shame. Proverbs 18, verses 20 and 21. Wise words satisfy like a good meal. The right words bring satisfaction. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Play.
Welcome to Day 18 together in our Daring Faith Devotions, Becoming a Person of Great Faith. How do you face the fears that keep you from becoming the believer that God wants you to be? If you want to be a person of great faith, you do what David did. You remember how God helped you in the past. You use the tools that God gives you. You expect God to help you for his glory. First, you remember how God has helped you in the past. In 1 Samuel 17, 37, David said, The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. When you remember how God has helped you in the past, it gives you confidence and greater faith for the future. 
And then second, you use the tools that God gives you. King Saul tried to give David his own armor to use against Goliath, but it didn't fit. Instead, 1 Samuel 17, 39 and 40, listen to what happened. David picked up five smooth stones from a stream and he put them into his shepherd's bag. And then armed only with his shepherd's staff and a sling, he started across the valley to fight against the Philistine. You don't wait for something you don't have, money, education, connections, before you step out in faith. You use the tools that God has already given you to face your giants with confidence. And number three, you expect God to help you for his glory. David stormed the battlefield shouting this, 1 Samuel 17, 45 and 46. He shouted, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. What God calls you to do, he will enable you and empower you to do. So you follow David's example. You remember how God has helped you in the past. You use the tools that God has given you and you expect God to help you for his glory. Let's pray together. Our Father, as we face giants, we pray that you'd help us to do these things. Instead of running away from the giant cowering and fear, help us to remember that you have helped us in the past, to use whatever you've given into our hands right now, not wait for something else. And then, Lord, to expect you expect you to help us, not for our glory, but for your glory. People will know that you have done it. Lord, I pray that the giants of faith that are discouraging us right now, that Lord, you help us to come against them by faith, and that in that, you would help us to grow in our faith in ways that we never dreamed possible. We pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen. was raised as my conscience fell a silly little lie it didn't mean much but it lingers still in the corners of my mind still you call me to walk on the edge of this world to spread my dreams and fly The future's so far My heart is so frail I think I'd rather Stay inside But you love me Anyway It's like nothing In life That I've ever known Yes, you love me Anyway Oh, Lord How you love me
affirmations to some guys. First one, it's got to go to Stevie Blevins. Buddy, I came in with you, man, and uh, you you were broken in a special type of way, man. And um, I, I just got to, I got to give you props, dude, for the way you just submitted to the process and uh, really just turned your life over to God and, and let him change you into the man that you are today. I, I've it's been such a transformation, man. I've seen you grow so much from the farm till now. And I just want to say it, it's been a privilege to be able to walk this out with you, man. And uh, we haven't made it yet. We've not arrived anywhere. But, buddy, we're, we're walking it and uh, we're doing it. And I just want to say that I love you. And wherever life takes us, man, I, I, I'm always, uh, you're always going to be one of my dudes. The second one I'd like to give to Mike Brown. Uh, Mike, you, at first, man, I was intimidated. I didn't know what to think about you. Um, I thought, you know, what, what's this guy doing in Lancaster? And uh, over time, man, the Lord changed my heart about you, and I, I came to have a, a special type of respect for you, man, and recognize your walk with God and um, just how committed you are to the refuge and I just got to say, man, it's such an encouragement. And uh, it was an honor to have you as uh, an overseer, man. And um, I just ask that uh, the Lord will bless you, brother. All right, guys. Good morning. This is Pastor Craig. And I'd like to share a word with you about some of the stuff that we're dealing with. Um, and we will deal with. We have to deal with. And that's getting totally transparent. First and foremost, with ourselves and then with our brothers um, and helping one another along this transition. It says in Colossians 3, verse 9 and 10, 
Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. So right there we're told, as individuals, we're not to lie anymore. We're to be transparent, just walk around. And it's uh, also, it says in the Word, that the truth will set you free. So there's freedom in the truth. If you go to John, I believe it's 8, verses 31 and 32, it says right in the Word. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So if we know the truth, we have to live in the truth. Um, we have to come to a place that re of repentance. We have to be able to look somebody else in the eye and say, this hurts me to tell you, but I fall short. I, I sin. Forgive me. But then we are also held accountable for our brothers. And that's where, as coming out of rebellion, coming into this new creation, it goes totally against what we believe. To tell on somebody, to out them, to narc on them is not good. That's uh, manipulation. It's disloyal. That's a, a wrong. That's not of God. Because it says right there that we were supposed to walk in truth. It's not about a feeling when it gets to this point. It's about kingdom business. If you know a brother is falling short, you Matthew 18 them. You take another brother to them if they don't change, if they don't repent. And after that, if they don't, then you hold them accountable and you go to authority. And it's not about narking. It's not about disloyalty. It's about kingdom business and being responsible for your brothers. It's a good thing. It's of God. It's what Christ told us to do, to walk in truth. If we don't do that, judge for yourself how you feel inside when you don't tell on somebody. or It's not even telling. It's talking truth. When you don't speak that, and help them get out of that. Judge for yourself. I know because I go through it, there's um, a feeling of a void, like you're not doing what's right for him, that really outweighs that feeling that you want to be loyal, and it's the, the den of thieves. You, I can't tell on him. You feel like that inside, deep in your spirit, man, because God is transparent. And he wants us to be accountable for one another and hold each one accountable. Um, even Jesus did that with Peter. Uh, this isn't the greatest example, but if you go to Matthew uh, chapter 16, 21 through the 23, it's the story of when Peter came to him and said, No, you're not going to go to the cross. He rebukes Christ. And Jesus looks right at him and says, Get behind me, Satan. Actually, I'm not going to paraphrase. I'll read it. In verse 23, it says, But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, and you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. He called it out. When we aren't totally transparent, when we let our brothers walk in distruth, whether recognized or blinded to it, it's demonic. And we, were, we are responsible to speak truth 
first and foremost into their lives. And then if they don't accept it, we need to go to authority and speak truth so that that brother has the advantage of the system of Matthew 18 and, and us really getting the body of Christ working on this kind of stuff. We're falling short on that. Um, I hope this helps. God bless.
Thank you for listening to Transformation Radio.